This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. When Isaiah was bringing his message in chapter 1 of his book, God, through the messenger Isaiah, said, He warned Israel, He warned Jerusalem, and He said, You're falling away. You're falling away. Your streets are full of violence. And then He finished by saying, Come now and let's reason together. Come now and let us reason together. Well, here's my question What if we have abandon the ability to reason rationally? What if we have, over time, abandoned the ability to reason rationally? What if we have come to the place where we can rationalize the irrational? Yes, I did say that correctly. Rationalizing the irrational. We want to take a look at that here today on Viewpoint, and I'm glad that you've joined us. It's, again, conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And actually, the Apostle Paul warned of such a time. You can read about it in Romans chapter 1. He talks about the people that knew God, but didn't glorify him as God. That's where it starts. They knew God, but didn't glorify him as God. Therefore, the next step is that their foolish minds and hearts become darkened. Now, what happens when the foolish mind and heart becomes darkened? Well, it begins to think irrationally. It begins to think in ways that are unbiblical. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to describe what happens when that happens, when the person begins to be unable to think rationally from God's viewpoint. Then they begin to justify that which is unjustifiable. They begin to accept and approve that which is unacceptable and unapprovable. Then they began to conduct themselves accordingly. They not only agree and accept what others are doing that's unacceptable and unprovable or irrational, but then they begin to carry on themselves and embrace those same kinds of ideas and practices as they rationalize the irrational. But it doesn't end there. They continue on, and it affects their behavior. It affects their even their sexual lives, so that they begin to justify what is unjustifiable, what is unnatural and irrational. And then they begin to call it a blessing from God. They begin to call it rational, rationalizing the un- or irrational. Finally, it gets to the place where they can't think straight at all. They have so bought into rationalizing the irrational that rationality no longer has any meaning, but rationality itself becomes irrational. That's called a reprobate mind. God gives them over then to a reprobate mind where they actually live in a 
shall we say, a fool's paradise where they deny reality and create an artificial reality. They embrace destruction, for instance, to achieve a secondary purpose, justifying destruction to achieve something else. They call evil good and good evil. They can even call black white and white black. How do you understand such a mind? Is it even possible to understand such a mind? Well, you'd almost have to get inside their reprobate mind, and you would have to become somewhat of a reprobate yourself in order to even begin to rationalize and justify that which is unjustifiable. So how do we return to righteous reasoning when it seems that the whole trajectory of history, and yes, in the United States of America, and even in our churches, the trajectory is toward irrationality, rationalizing the irrational, rationalizing that which God says he hates, and then beginning to live that out as if it is what God desires. So we bless that which God hates and hate that which God blesses. Does that sound a bit confusing to you? Well, probably it should, because it actually represents the utter and total confusion that is related to this whole idea of a reprobate mind. We want to talk about that here today on Viewpoint because it's directly related to Jesus' warning just before his crucifixion. When Jesus' disciples gathered with him there on the Mount of Olives uh, two days before his crucifixion, they asked him what would be the sign of his coming and of the end of the age. And the very first thing he said was, take heed that no man deceive you. Then as if that were not enough, he went on to say, and many are going to come even in my name and deceive many. But he didn't end there. He went on to up the ante about the nature of the deception and said, look, I have to tell you guys that the deception is going to be so great that if it were possible, even the very small remnant elect would be deceived. Now, if that doesn't get our attention as professing Christians, I don't know what will, unless we rationalize that it doesn't matter and it doesn't mean anything to me. If we rationalize that it's irrelevant or that it's irrelevant to me, and then we create a theological perspective that helps us to justify that, we are already engaging in the deceptive mindset that's leading to a reprobate mind. In other words, rationalizing the irrational and justifying the unjustifiable and dissing what God has said and then buying into what we have dissed as if it somehow is what God has ordained. I actually had to rely on the Lord to give me that to open up with you to here today because in reality, it's so hard to describe this concept of a reprobate mind. But it begins with deception. And no man is ever deceived against his will. No one. No one is ever seduced against their will. Every man and woman is ultimately deceived by choice. So, 
at, the, at once. That should be somewhat consoling, but also terrifying. Because deception requires decision. You just can't be deceived against your will. And if you could be deceived against your will, then God couldn't hold you responsible, could he? But the problem is that deception defines and determines destiny. And every decision that we make is important. Every thought that we buy into is important. That's why we say viewpoint determines destiny. Even seemingly small choices lead progressively to a series of further choices which determine the direction of our thinking. And as a man thinks in his heart, well, so he becomes. So actually, deception can lead inevitably to a reprobate mind. Does that sound like this might be important today? Stay tuned. You're listening to Viewpoint. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today, as you listen, you're probably going to hear some background noise, different kinds of noises, maybe some hammers, maybe some saws, who knows. But actually, it's work that is legitimately being done above us. It's good work, and it has to be done, and we couldn't move the broadcast, so we're doing the broadcast notwithstanding the noise. And by the way, there's so much noise going on around us in our world that in reality, we do have to be able to deal with truth and hear truth even amid the noise going on around us, don't we? And the noise is increasing. You just can't avoid the noise altogether. So it's very important that we think and have a vector force in our thinking that keeps us straight on and doesn't get diverted by all the noise in the society or even the noise that is emanating here, uh, attempting seemingly to attract this broad, uh, attack this broadcast. Stay tuned, friends, because what we're talking about here today is critically important for your future, for the future of your children, your grandchildren, and yes, pastors, your congregation because your congregation is just as susceptible to deception as anyone else. If that were not true, then Jesus' warnings concerning deception were all a waste of time. Was Jesus, did Jesus have a reprobate mind? Did he would warn about something that didn't deserve to be warned of? Did he have ideas about deception that weren't worthy to be considered? How about the Apostle Paul? How about the Apostle Peter? How about the Apostle John? All of whom warned about deception to believers. You see, the warnings about deception are not to those that are already deceived, that is, unbelievers, because they're deceived already. No, the warnings are always to professing believers. So, we have to beware. Take heed that no man deceive you, Jesus said. His words were chilling. They cast a frame around life and eternity. 
And in the final moments of his life on earth, he chose to leave his disciples with whom he invested his life and ministry, a penetrating and haunting warning they would never forget. What was that? Take heed that no man deceive you. And that warning is echoing down to our moment in time on the near edge of the second coming, preparing for the end of the age, isn't it? Can saints be seduced? Well, the apostles didn't miss the message. Mark and John both warned of the seduction of the saints. The Apostle Paul describes these last days as a time of desperate struggle to seduce the minds and hearts of the saints. For he said, seducers shall wax worse and worse in deceiving and being deceived. And some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. So then the question, the real question, the bottom line question is, will you be deceived? Will you be among the deceived? Can you be seduced? Paul says there's coming a great falling away or apostasy. So today, as we talk about this, we're moving beyond mere deception to a further stage. It is an ultimate stage of reprobation. So what is reprobation? What does a reprobate mind actually mean? Well, here it is. The term reprobate mind indicates a mind that has become devoid of proper judgment. In other words, can't think straight anymore. Now, you may think if you're 75, 80 years of age, maybe you're getting a, a reprobate mind because you can't think straight anymore. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about age. We're not talking about Alzheimer's. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about what happens to a person who gradually repudiates the thinking and their anchor to truth and gradually drifts away and embraces untruth as if it is truth. So what happens when people leave the source of true values out of their lives? Well, the source of true value is the Bible. But if you begin to rationalize what you read in the Bible, and you diss what God has said in whole or in part, then in effect, you are actually engaging in the process of reprobation. I hate to put it so bluntly, but it is true. For instance, the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He was dealing with the Corinthian church that was quite worldly, and uh, they had a lot of uh, sexual impropriety going on in the congregation. So he said, first of all, you've got to put away this person that is carrying on in ways that are not only unchaste, but totally contrary to the word, will, and ways of God. You've got to pull them out, put them out of the congregation because he said a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. And what he was saying is, look, if you allow this kind of behavior that's emanating for a certain kind of thinking that's justifying this kind of behavior, then the people themselves will begin to buy into that same kind of thinking, resulting in the same kind of behavior, because as a man or a congregation thinks in its heart, so is he. So is it. Well, then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, He goes even further, and you will seldom hear a pastor preach from this passage, but it needs to be preached from. He said, don't be deceived. 
Now, again, he's talking to professing Christians, not unbelievers. Professing Christians. And he says, don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor nor homosexuals, the effeminate, are going to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, there were a few other things that he mentioned, but those are the three things that are particularly salient here for us in this conversation because our culture has gradually embraced that which Paul warned about. And he warned about it because Jesus had warned about it. You say, really? Jesus warned about it? Yes, he did. He said, in the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard it said of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whosoever looks upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery already in his heart. Then he went on to say, you know, you say that uh, you should not commit, uh, perform divorce. But I say unto you that one who divorces and remarries has already committed adultery if the spouse is still living. Oh, yet we found a way over the past 75 years in America to justify that which Jesus warned about, the Apostle Paul warned about, and what we still rejected. Now, that is a level, friends, not only of deception, but reprobation. Because we have created a situation, even being led from the pulpits of America, to embrace that which God says he hates. Which God says is totally contrary to his creation ordinance. Do you see how this happens? Now, I don't I, I can't see the whites in your eyes right now. I don't know you in particular. We're just saying what God says. We're applying the word of God. You see, the problem in our churches is the word of God doesn't really get totally applied. It gets mentioned but not applied. Because once you begin to apply the word of God, that's when the first starts flying. That's when people react irrationally and begin to rationalize their irrationality and justify their unjustifiable thinking and behavior. That's what's happened. That's why for the past 25, 30 years, the divorce rate among professing Christians has just about equaled that of the nation as a whole. And in the Bible Belt of America, for the past 20 years, the divorce rate has exceeded the nation of a whole, as a whole by 50%. How could such a thing happen? Because we have been buying into a reprobate spirit. We've been rationalizing the irrational. We have been justifying the unjustifiable. And we've been refusing to agree with God's viewpoint. Is it any wonder, then, that we still don't have revival after 40 years of bellyaching Second Chronicles 7.14 to the Lord of glory? We don't have it. 
People say, oh, yeah, we've got this revival here. We got No, we don't have revival in this country. If we did, we'd have massive repentance in the church. But we don't have massive repentance in the church. Therefore, we're continuing to rationalize the irrational, to justify the unjustifiable. We're denying reality from God's viewpoint and embracing a contrary view, in effect, calling good evil and evil good. Do I still have any listeners? Now, another definition uh, of reprobation, it, it, it comes from the Greek, by the way, and the direct, shall we say, direct meaning is to fail to pass the test. What test? It's not just failure to pass the test. It's fail to, to the pass. This is in the Bible. It's failure to pass the test of God's expectations. So when a person or a group is given over to a reprobate mind, what God is actually doing is saying, okay, I see where you're going. You refuse my uh, correction. You are refusing my warning. I have reached out my hand to you over and over and over again, and you continue to refuse it. Therefore, I'm giving you over to your own ways. I'm giving you over to your own thoughts. I'm giving you over to your own irrational rationalizing, justifying that which is unjustifiable, calling good evil, evil good. I'm going to give you over to that, and let's see where it goes. Now, it's not a pretty picture. Interestingly, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 finishes that chapter that lays out the progression of reprobation. And he says, look, it's not just those who do these things that have a reprobate mind and are culpable before God. It's also those who approve those that do it. Now, that's where our real problem is, isn't it? Because most professing Christians are not embracing homosexuality. Most professing Christians are not embracing uh, just cavalier divorce and remarriage. They're not embracing uh, cohabitation, not embracing all of these things that God says are an abomination to him that he hates. But they're approving those who are doing them. They're finding ways to say, well, God's grace will overlook your uh, whatever it is you're doing. No, that's not true. God's grace does not wink at sin. If God's grace winked at sin, there would be no need for repentance, would there? So God's grace does not wink at sin. God's grace is his unmerited favor that is reaching to you and me to enable us to obey his voice in our human weakness. That's what it's for. That's why the Apostle Paul was told, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness, Mr. Paul. Another way of looking at reprobation is morally corrupt and depraved. Another says that which is rejected on account of its own worthlessness, 
Well, somebody who embraces the irrationality rejected rejecting God, not rejecting a belief in God. God isn't interested that we believe in him. Did you know that? The devil believes in God. He even trembles, the Bible says. The issue is not whether we believe in God, it's whether we believe him. That's our real problem in America. We claim to be God believers, believing in God, but we just don't believe him. We don't take him at his word. Therefore, we have been given over the past hundred years to a progressive irrationality that is producing a reprobate mind in our churches, in our schools, in Washington, D.C., in our government, everywhere. Can you see that this is a problem? What can we do about it? What should we do about it? We'll be back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Again, for those who are just tuning in, you're hearing the construction noise going on in the background. Yes, just like the noise that's going on in our society that is trying to keep us from hearing clearly what God says. It's true. Uh, Noise is everywhere. Now, before we go further and begin to take a look at what this reprobation looks like, in a whole variety of situations that are occurring right before us. I want to make available to you my book, Seduction of the Saints. You heard it mentioned there in the break, Seduction of the Saints, Staying Pure in a World of Deception. This book was written specifically to help God's people avoid getting caught in the very thing that Jesus warned about. The very thing the Apostle Paul warned about, the Apostle Peter warned about, the Apostle Mark and John. How can we live pure in a world of deception? When everything around us is cajoling or luring or compelling us into a world of deceptive thinking that ultimately leads to a reprobate mind. How can we do that? This book helps you to understand what many of these areas of deception actually look like. It's divided into uh, seven different segments. And 
It's all very organized and uh, understandable, written in a way you just can't miss it. There are four chapters, five chapters actually, dealing with the subject, the truth about deception. How can we protect godly paths? What does the road to hell actually look like? Then there's another whole section called Gateways to Deception, Cultural Seduction, The Core of Spirit, Synthetic Authenticity. Then there's a whole other section called False Gospels for Synthetic Times, The Science-isms versus the Gospel, The Social-isms versus the Gospel, Political-isms versus the Gospel, Religious Pluralisms versus the Gospel, Globalism and the Anti-Gospel, and then other Applications of Prophecy. The final segment, Seducing Spirits and Doctrines, False Prophets, False Teachers, False Hope, and How to Secure a Passion for Purity Among These Profoundly Impure Times. It's an $18 book, yours for $15, actually, $15 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. On our website, saveus.org, call us 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. All right, now, we're going to take a look at, you could say, some portraits of reprobation. Some portraits of reprobation taking place in our society as we speak. What happens when the society or its institutions, uh, its leaders, Uh, its corporations and so on, embrace a reprobate mind, irrational, can't think straight anymore, what does it lead them to do? Well, here's the first one. Senator Ron Johnson has said that over 1 million COVID-19 vax-adverse events have been censored by Twitter. Now, we're not here to talk again about the vaccine and all of that. That just happens to be uh, part of this reprobation illustration. Here's a senator of the United States criticizing Twitter because he happened to cite data pointing toward over 1 million adverse events due to the administration of COVID-19 vaccines. In other words, the CDC has not accurately reported and the news media are refusing to allow the truth to be disseminated to the American public. In other words, they are choreographing a reprobate mind with regard to your health and mine. And they have reasons for that. But their reasons are irrational. Because the rational approach, you see, would be to care for your health. Would be to care if there are many, many very negative things happening as a result of 
the administration of these jabs or shots, which there are. The latest report is that somewhere around 400,000 people have actually died from the vaccine. Not died of COVID, died from the vaccine. That's been hidden, kept from the American public. And it's been kept from the American public purposely. But what would justify, you see, reprobation is justifying the unjustifiable, rationalizing the irrational. It's irrational to hide if you're really concerned about people and health and so on. It would be irrational to hide the truth concerning the dangers of the vaccine, wouldn't it? So then why do people do that? Because they have other reasons, you see. They've adopted irrationality to justify a new kind of rationality that they are communicating as if it's true. And it's not true at all. Why would Twitter censor facts being delivered showing that at least a million different adverse effects have been reported actually to CDC, have actually occurred? In spite of the 21,000 reported so-called deaths, they're hiding. They have adopted an irrational line of thinking to justify the unjustifiable. Now, they have a reason for doing that. Globalism. Globalism does not justify, is an unreasonable, irrational way of justifying preventing people from getting accurate and proper health information. Would you agree? Now, here's another one. These are just coming out today. Dr. Fauci rolls out a telling new term to replace the term fully vaccinated. Americans are now being told to go with the flow as the White House medical advisor, Anthony Fauci, abandons the concept of ever being fully vaccinated. He said, we're using the terminology now, keeping your vaccinations up to date, rather than what fully vaccinated means. Oh, really? He said that during a National Institutes of Health lecture. What's he really saying here? He's really saying that all of our efforts to tell you that if you get this shot, if you get this shot, if you get this shot, you're going to be fully vaccinated and this uh, uh, virus is going to go away. He knew from the very beginning that wasn't going to happen because he knows, as a so-called expert, that viruses will continue on and cannot be stopped. They're not going to be stopped by 
wearing a mask. They're not going to be stopped by jabs. And he also knew that there was no representation by any of the so-called vaccine creators, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Moderna, and so on. No representation that these would prevent you from getting the virus or from passing it on. So now he is going to rationalize the irrational. He is going to play games with words. So instead of saying you're fully vaccinated if you get X number of shots, now we're going to talk about keeping your vaccinations up to date. In other words, justifying a whole series of continuing vaccination ad infinitum. These are not just word games, friends. These are coming from a man who is charged with the responsibility to care for your health. And he has no intention of doing that. Quite the contrary. He has rationalized the irrational to justify telling us untruth time and time and time again to keep the money flowing to the pharmaceutical companies and to advance the cause of a global government. Sorry to have to put it that way. Here's another one. Minnesota hospital terminates 700 unvaccinated employees. The Mayo Clinic, the famous Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, terminated 700 unvaccinated employees. Just weeks after nurses, other nurses, pleaded with the hospital CEOs because of an ongoing staffing crisis. So here's the reality. The nurses are needed. There's a staffing crisis. People are sick, but the hospital is still going to fire 700 employees. Does that make sense to you? No, friend. This is an example of a reprobate mind. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Is it true that if you don't get vaccinated, you are going to be a primary dispenser of the COVID-19 virus? 
Would you like to know the real answer to that? No, that's not true. It's not true. Every true and honest epidemiologist or microbiologist or whatever one of uh, expertise you want to have will admit that when put under pressure. They have to admit it because the virus will continue on whether or not you're vaccinated. Did you know now that they're saying that uh, it's coming from uh, Dr. Fauci and it's coming from the CDC that actually the masks are doing nothing? Nothing. They're not there to protect you from getting the virus. They're coming out and admitting that this week. Do you see the irrationality that has been going on in the name of medicine, in the name of expertise? It's kind of like these so-called experts and their uh, hospitals and so on have bought into a kind of hysteria that has deprived them from even embracing the facts as they are known concerning viruses and even concerning COVID-19 and its various expressions. This is reprobation, friends, of mind. It is these hospitals and their leaders who are in it for money, I'm sorry, but that's what they're there for. Those who are running the hospitals, it's all about money. They are getting vast amounts of extra money from the government to keep people in the hospital. And the more they can bring them onto ventilators, the more money they get. Therefore, the lure of money clouds the mind. Coupled with the threats coming from the White House, that if you don't do what I say, we're going to cut off your flow of money. So they say, oh, well, we can't let that happen. Therefore, it so colors their ability to think that they give up their rationality and embrace irrationality to justify what they want to do on a selfish basis. This is not only sick, my friends, this is evil. This is unrighteousness at its penultimate. When those who are charged with caring for the sick and the least rat irrationally justify actually taking advantage of them and not telling the whole truth you've got a big problem here's another one this is not related to the vaccine 
The headline, hey, whitey, go to the back of the line. If you're white and middle class, the push for health care equity could kill you. Prominent medical organizations and the Biden administration are pushing for rules that will move so-called disadvantaged populations to the front of the line for medical resources like vaccines, ventilators, uh, so on. And that means everyone else will wait longer, in some cases, too long. Last week, the New York Post reported that the New York City Task Force on Racial Inclusion and Equity prioritized the distribution of COVID-19 test kits to 31 neighborhoods. They were all racially intense in minorities. Well, other areas got none. Since when does the color of one's skin have anything to do, ultimately, with health care? Unless, of course, you consider their own particular health situation. What's happened here? In order to embrace a new concept of equity and diversity and inclusion, the actual original goal of equality of treatment has been thrown out the window. In other words, the Democrat Party led by the President of the United States, has embraced irrationality to undo that which was the rational and justifiable and righteous goal of treating people equally. Now they're going to treat them unequally, which is as racist as it comes, but it's all justified because of a new line of thinking called Equity, diversion, and inclusion. That produces neither equity, nor inclusion, nor true diversity. It's a ruse. Utter deception. And this one's different. A Catholic University student has lost points on a theology test after describing God as male. A student at Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles says that a professor took points off a recent test after the student identified God as being male. The student innocuously described God as being male on this recent test. But the theological studies professor, Cecilia Gonzalez Andrew, reportedly did not appreciate the student's response and docked several points from the test for using male-gendered language for God repeatedly. Now, why did she take those points off? There was no rational basis under God for taking those points off. In fact, what that student said was accurate according to 
the words of the Bible. God the Father references himself as a he. You may not like that, but that's how he references himself. He, God the Father, Jesus the Son, So what's the problem here? This professor embraced an irrational position based upon, uh, against facts in order to justify docking this student because he did not conform to the latest iteration of multiculturalism, religious pluralism, political correctness, and genderism. Friends, those are not foundations for truth and rational thinking. They're fads. And when we, as Christians, embrace this kind of thinking, we are actually not only engaging in deception, but we ourselves are moving into reprobation. Because we're finding not only have we been deceived with regard to the underlying issue that we embraced, the inclusion, diversity, and uh, equity idea, but also embrace the idea that God is not a he, that what the Bible says is not true, and what our thinking about it is true today because we are so smart what we have actually done is embraced reprobation. You do that enough, my friends, and you've disqualified yourself from the kingdom of God. God will not have a reprobate in his kingdom because a reprobate is a rebel and cannot claim to be part of the kingdom of God. North Carolina Med School moves ahead with plans to root destruction instruction in DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Listen to the foolishness of this. They're going to teach that organs aren't gender-specific. This is in North Carolina, friends. The task force, which was headed by Vice Dean for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, issued a report recommending 42 changes to implement social justice into the medical school's curriculum. So, no longer are they going to admit that there are gender differences in our organs, which is plain on its face and is biblically supported. No. There is a secondary agenda. Purported equity, inclusion, and diversity. None of which are driven by biblical mandate, or even implication. It's a whole man-made human religion now, a godless religion that has its high priests 
its mandates, its dogma, and if you don't cooperate, you won't even be in their med school. And if you don't call God a she, or refuse to call uh, God how he had, uh, reveals himself in the scriptures, then you don't deserve to get a degree, even in a Catholic institution. It's reprobation, friends. The new Manhattan district attorney pushes progressive reform despite, quote, more dangerous and blatant crime. Now, can we fight the reality? Can we rationally fight the reality, admitting the reality of growing violent crime? No. Can we fight the reality that violent crime is dangerous? No. It's true on its face. Can we fight the fact that these things are open and notorious and available for any rational human being to see? No. So why then would the new Manhattan district attorney push progressive reforms in spite of the knowledge and truth and recognition of more dangerous and blatant crime. It's only one reason. He's embraced, embraced a reprobate mind when it comes to reality. Justifying the unjustified because he wants to be seen as progressive. You see, progressivism has actually replaced what God requires of us. To agree with his word, to obey his voice, and to humble ourselves because ultimately to humble ourselves means to agree with God. How about you? How about you? Get a copy of the book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception, an $18 book, yours for $15 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Write to us. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA and become a partner, friends. Do it today. Don't delay. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.